and welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, I have my brother who is slaying dragons. I mean, uh, even the last race that he ran, he won. He won hearts and minds because he did something that Bill Clinton used to always tell us. He said, ideas win elections. And Charles Booker is somebody who is filled with ideas. Welcome to the Bakari Sellers Podcast. How are you feeling today, man? Thank you, brother. I'm feeling really good. It's good to be with you. You look, we start all our episodes the same way and our 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 audience is so used to it, but we have our guests walk us through the arc of their career and yours started largely in state government in Kentucky, both as a state employee and state elected official. Walk us through the, your career arc from your first role after graduating from Louisville to the work that you're doing now as a candidate for the United States Senate and the great, is it Commonwealth? Rex Chapman. Commonwealth. The Commonwealth of Kentucky. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So first of all, man, I, I stumbled into all of this stuff. You know, I say that in one breath and then in another, I know that there are no mistakes. And uh, there was a purpose that I didn't realize that I'm walking into now. But uh, my, my journey into politics was really just me trying to find mentors. Uh, going into law school, first in my family to do so, both my parents dropped out of high school. So, you know, I'm really in this whole new environment. And I went through the phone book, man. I, I called all the attorneys saying, look, let me meet with you. Uh, I'm new to this. I want to be an advocate in my community. I don't know where to start. And I just want to you know, pick everyone's brain who will let me. And I, I, came, I came across some legislators because, of course, a lot of legislators are also attorneys. And my journey really began there, you know, in order to meet with uh, one of the individuals who became my mentor, who I then ran against that I write about in this book. Um, the only way I could meet with him to talk about law school was to go to Capitol. And that was my first time going to the Capitol. And so since then, I realized, okay, I want to make the laws. I don't want to just argue them. And so I started meddling in everything. I worked at the local level in Metro Council. Um, I ended up uh, interning in Congress, uh, Congressman Gregory Meeks. And uh, then from there, state politics really uh, opened my eyes to the challenges in the hood, in the West and the Louisville. And so I wanted to go out in the state. So I became a director of Fish and Wildlife. Uh, uh, yes, I did. Uh, one of like three black people in the department with like 700 employees. And I'm a director. Uh, plenty of stories from there. But then I worked in the state legislature um, as an analyst for government contracts. And so what ultimately led me to running was you come, you come to a point where you're tired of just voicing your concerns, knowing that things can change, but not being able to be the one to do it. Um, I was everyone's staffer and I got tired being everyone's staffer. And so I determined, you know what, I know we can do this. I'm going to do it myself. And uh, so I ran for office and uh, in 2018, uh, became the youngest black state legislator in Kentucky uh, since the first one. And um, since then, I've been slaying dragons, as you correctly mentioned, uh, ever since and ran against Mitch McConnell in the last cycle. And now we're going to take out Rand Paul. I love that, man. I mean, I think that that one of the most amazing things is your trajectory of working in the state legislature and then being a member of the state legislature is huge. Before we talk all, all about that, I, I want to talk about that time in the state legislature, because I think a lot of people miss just how much of our lives is controlled by the legislature. What's the way forward for Democrats and progressives in states where things seem to be getting worse and you have things like the don't say gay bill in Florida? You know, really our pursuit of protecting democracy, although we often talk about it, you know, at the national level and everyone focuses on Congress and, you know, the presidential administration. But so much of the work of protecting democracy happens at the state level. 
um, which is why the the first bill that I filed, uh, even when I got my certificate that said I won, I pre-filed this, was for restoration of voting rights. Um, it is disproportionately hard to be heard in Kentucky, one of the most disenfranchised states. And so part of our work at the state level is really actually making democracy real. Um, in Kentucky, most people don't vote. That is not an uncommon thing. Uh, but then it's also hard to even engage the political process and poverty is generational and all these different things spill out of that because our voices are silenced from the start. And in a place that is hyper, hyper partisan, uh, Republicans have such a majority. Uh, at this point, you know, you got to squinch your eyes to find a Democrat anywhere in the building. And because of that, it makes it hard for um, a lot of progress to happen. A lot of the bills that you're seeing across the country. Uh, were birthed out of places like Kentucky. You know, they were testing them here for a long time. And what I was able to do in the legislature as a black man from the hood, Democrat, uh, in a chamber that Republicans have a supermajority in, um, is really what I wrote about in the book. You know, I found those common bonds and used that as leverage to push for the progress we all ultimately need that isn't partisan. And at the end of the day, we have to remember that the things we're fighting for are not partisan. We've allowed them to be weaponized, but we can fix that. And that's decently profound. I try to tell people that all the time. And, and as a statewide candidate, you try to stay above that red versus blue, especially you're in a red state. So talk about that experience with the Department of Fish and Natural Resources in Kentucky. How did that experience shape your politics? And it was a game changer for me. Um, so my book, From the Hood to the Holler, the, the genesis of what a holler is, which a lot of people, uh, if you're not from an area Man, like you Dallas, took the, you don't took you the know. next question because y'all country boys. I'm yeah. like, what, what the hell is a holler? <laughs> well, y'all so country Look, in Kentucky, man. You know what? We own it, man. And I take pride in being able to explain to folks what a holler is. And then, of course, being able to represent for the hood. But all of that came alive for me uh, at Fish and Wildlife. So uh, I'm from the West End of Louisville, one of the more segregated cities in the country. Um, majority black and brown folks, generational poverty, a lot of things that you see. Brianna Taylor uh, was a good friend of my family. Um, she was at the funeral. My cousin was murdered. And, you know, a lot of us have dealt with so many of the same struggles. And we can feel like uh, no one back up real quick because I don't think you articulated that. So yeah. Brianna Taylor was at the funeral with your family of your cousin. And then you went to Brianna Taylor's funeral. That's right. That's right. You know, it, that was part of what really catalyzed the power of our movement and our organizing in 2020 was this was so personal for me to then be on this stage and to tell that story. And this was Easter Sunday, 2016. My cousin TJ was murdered and, um, and they were really good friends. And to be full circle and seeing what happened to her and then to see it continue, you know, and I really felt the desperation of. How do, I, how do I advocate for us? No one hears us, no one sees us, no one cares about us. And then when I went out in the state and I met folks in communities that don't look like mine, you know, 99% white, you know, there's Confederate flags waving. Um, but I had to push through those barriers because I'm signing paychecks, you know, I'm responsible for these folks. And so I did what I was taught in community. I opened up, I told them my truth. And then when they did the same, we realized, oh, well, we got the same uncle. You know, we went through the same things. I'm a type one diabetic. You are too. We've rationed insulin. This shit ain't right. You know, and, and when you start to humanize and see people past these 
stereotypes and all these barriers that divide us, you find coalitions. And that's what Fish and Wildlife was for me. Um, interesting part of the journey, I was appointed there uh, by Governor Steve Bashir, so the father last Democratic governor. Um, my wife did a video uh, for Allison Grimes uh, when she was running for Senate against Mitch McConnell. I was a staffer in the state legislature at that time, um, working behind the scenes. No one cared about me. I was uh, reviewing contracts, putting my, my legal hat on. And Mitch McConnell, his folks were aware that I had worked in democratic politics. When my wife did that video, I got fired. And the journey led me into figuring out, well, what do I do to take care of my family? I'll take on anything. And um, I had an opportunity to apply for fish and wildlife. I had never hunted or fished in my life. and But they needed someone with a legal background. And so I jumped at it. I did, man. I'm extended family. And a lot of them are helping me on my campaign right now. Uh, don't tell anybody else you didn't hunt or fish. That, that's just, that's malpractice, man. Just Yeah. I, you got to uh, get it. It's under my belt now, though. It's under <laughs> my belt now. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Well, let's talk about this race real quick. People I speak to in Kentucky. Even some of Mitch McConnell's people I work with at CNN tell me that you could walk in to be mayor of Louisville. That's something that could be easily done. Why are you running for United States Senate? Can you win? So the second part of your question, absolutely. And I'm excited about what we'll be able to show on a national stage when folks will be asking, what the world happened? How did they pull that off? We will not just be Rand Paul. We're going to blow them out. And I can say that with complete clarity, but let me step back. Um, because I appreciate you asking. Um, everywhere I've gone, I've gotten that question about, well, why, why Senate? You know, and I've built this big coalition. I'm a state representative from Louisville and all these different things. Let me make it clear how I see this. Um, the challenges we face in our city, the city of Louisville, my home, are very real. And I look at it like a house on fire. But after serving in Frankfurt at the state level in the twilight zone that you know well, I saw the whole block being on fire. And me, if we only focus on putting the fire out in the house, it don't tend to this broader, this bigger problem that's bearing down on us, we're still going to lose. And the fact that I was able to build these unlikely coalitions in rural areas, um, folks that have their MAGA hat organizing on my campaign and working with me because I'm speaking to our common bonds, 
almost the, the inverse of the Southern strategy, if you will. It, it was too big of an opportunity to really move our state forward, knowing that no one else is doing the work. And so it's, it's a heavier lift. But if we do this work, not only will we make sure that we're taking care of cities like Louisville, but that the entire state can thrive, which we must do. So I'm going I'm to ask you this question because I'm a, I'm a nerd. I get in the numbers. Trump won by 600,000. Where are you getting them 600,000 votes from? Oh, let me be more specific. Where are you mm-hmm. getting them 600,000 in one vote from? Yeah. So, so actually, when you, when you look at the breakdown of, of our path to victory, um, I really need to find more closer to 250,000 votes, just historically. And, and a big part of why I say it that way teach is- Teach me. Teach me, brother. Teach me because I'm giving you my money. So teach me. Absolutely. Well, I'm here to earn it because a lot of my platform, and this is how we've been able to galvanize folks that are registered Republican or have not voted at all, is there is a, a populist through line. Um, and, it's, and it's built on this truth that so many Kenyans feel robbed and abandoned and ignored and want things to change. And so there's this idea of us fighting back, which is why a lot of the folks who voted for Donald Trump, if you go back, a lot of same folks voted for Bernie Sanders. Um, it's not really a partisan through line. It's more of a sense of desperation. And the fact that I speak to that in a very raw and, and authentic way is really how I was building so much support in the last cycle, because I was outspent, if you remember, over 40 to 1. And the reason we cut that margin down ultimately was the power of us organizing on these common bonds. So if you look historically, we need to find about 250,000 votes. We know where they are. Uh, in 2019, Governor Bashir, uh, the son, uh, Andy Bashir, signed an executive order. It was based off of my bill, Restoration of Voting Rights. It restored rights for over 180,000 Kentuckians. A lot of these folks still don't know it. There hasn't been the organizing effort to, to meet them you and need, to make sure they're the De- You need the Desmond Mead type effort in Florida to do the same thing in Kentucky. That's, they cost money, but that's, that's exactly right. That's right. That's right. We need to build that infrastructure. Um, we, we know there's a million registered Democrats that don't vote. We know that turnout is historically low and we don't run turnout campaigns. Uh, one quick example I'll give you. Um, I've been running, turning out and getting involved in building community as a survival mechanism. Uh, but I implemented that in the last race. And so I know that if a lot of folks in my community vote, they're going to vote for me. Instead of doing what most Democrats typically do and saying, hey, uh, it's two weeks before election, go vote. I was organizing with them throughout when no, none of the cameras were there. And in the end, in Louisville, Jefferson County, I had the largest turnout in history. So we outperformed President Obama in, in this presidential run. And it was because we were meeting folks and telling them, look, don't just vote because I'm telling you to. Let me explain why I should earn your support. What's pissing you off? What do you care about? And that's what we're actually doing now. Uh, we're training citizen lobbyists and relational organizers across Kentucky. And I got over 20,000 folks that are doing this work, man. So when I tell you, we're going to blow me, and call me, out. You got me almost sold. But let me ask you this, though. You're not you. I mean, if we're looking at the at, at your platform or record versus that of, of Governor Bashir, you, you're slightly different um, mm-hmm. on on the on the scheme, on the, the, the scale of things. How is, you yeah. know, Medicare for all and the Green New Deal? How is that playing in Kentucky? Well, if you if you look at Governor Bashir, thank goodness he won because he, he beat a mini Donald Trump in a lot of ways. Praise God he won because his opponent was I, crazy. Man, look, that ain't even that's that's an understatement. But even if you look at it, he won by a slim margin. It was like five thousand votes. 
a lot of us were so desperate to get that guy out of there that you know and and he's a and he's a good leader and i commend him for how he showed up in this pandemic but a lot of the issues that speak to generational poverty he didn't run on them and when we look at the fact that he won by this slim margin we can't just conclude the only way democrats win is by slim margins because we own issues like medicare for all and even universal basic income they are very popular in kentucky because everybody's struggling and and when you're that desperate you're looking for opportunities you're not worried about the national narrative, even a Green New Deal, which, look, this is a state that was one of the first, uh, actually the first to go for Donald Trump. Um, so the idea that, you know, this this radical approach to addressing the climate and you're going to take burgers away and all these different things, we got all of that here. But we have been ground zero for the decline in the fossil fuel industry. Those jobs are gone. The water's dirty. The air is dirty. Folks are sick. And we you talk about a sustainable real way and how the Biden administration has passed this infrastructure legislation and then the, the, the potential to build back better. Folks are like, well, well, damn, I need that. You know, and, and so we're on the right side of the issues and we're not afraid to run on them, uh, which is also why the country needs to see a victory just like this. So let me ask you about Biden real quick before I let you go. We're getting near the end of our time. How do you grade Biden? What are five, three, five things that Biden can do to help candidates I mean, like, for the purposes of this discussion, we'll say the South, yeah. but y'all ain't the South, but we're going we gonna to throw y'all in for the purposes of the discussion. But what, what can Biden do to help candidates in the South who are facing these battles like you? You know, uh, I give the Biden administration a lot of credit and a lot of criticism. Uh, the credit that comes in, especially in this moment of navigating the pandemic that has been turned into one of the worst political footballs at our expense, especially at Kentucky's expense, but then also the conflicts abroad. You know, what does it mean to be a leader on the national stage and, um, and standing up for Ukraine in a way that is speaking to, okay, how do we prevent endless war, um, but show up for our allies? So I, I give him credit for how he's, he's standing out. Um, there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, Build Back Better is, is something that we need to move forward, but the infrastructure bill was huge. That rescue plan was huge. Billions of dollars coming to Kentucky. So while I'm, I'm understanding and acknowledging that more has to be done, there's a lot of progress on the table that we have to seize. And so, you know, at, at my best, I can give him a, a B minus, C plus, uh, but the parts where I, I'm very critical, which lead into what I would love for the administration to be doing to help races like my own, is speaking to the, the challenges that ultimately fueled him in victory. A lot of folks stood up to say, okay, we need to protect our pursuit of democracy. It's clearly under attack. And that moment has not been met just yet. You know, we, we need the John Lewis Voting Rights Act to pass. We need to make sure that we're protecting uh, folks. No, I mean, to the we, don't have, we don't have voting rights. We don't have criminal justice reform. There's so many other things that we're, we need, we're waiting on. Exactly. And that list is long. Go ahead. Last question. Hood, hood to the holler. Yes, sir. How can people buy it? Where can they get it from? From the hood to the holler. It's coming out on the 26th of April. Uh, it will be in stores. You can uh, get it now pre-ordered on Amazon. It will be on all the platforms. Um, I will be doing some traveling in state and nationally to help tell this story. Uh, please support us lifting up this message. And, you know, it is in a lot of ways building on the story that you have to tell, my brother, which you can't tell. Your book is actually behind me on the show on the shelf. That's not because of this interview. Um, 
we're telling the story about how you bend the art and 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 that is still possible even in the forgotten places and um i hope this book can make only you and the country proud but help add to uh the fire that is encouraging people to build a movement uh, which will lead us to winning in 2022 here in kentucky well i'm giving to the charles booker campaign i love you my brother let me know when you want me to fly out i'll do anything some of the most beautiful yes, women sir. in the world are in paducah kentucky so i'll campaign there too for you uh whatever i can yes, do to sir. help you out my brother man i'm all on board man congratulations let's get it done absolutely we shall